Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Haney. We are Native in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 245, recorded on November the 7th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on nativeintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. I have two two things that I, I know. One is, how is it possible to forget how to pronounce 245 while staring at the numbers 2, 4, and 5? That's the first one. And the second <laughs> one is the question that Simon raised a couple of weeks back. We're on most podcasting platforms. What podcasting platforms are we not on? And I have no I'm idea. Strange. Let us know if we're missing from somewhere. And you can't prove a negative and hold that whole discussion. Yeah. So Simon is still uh, making an absolute mess of Schiphol. Mm -hmm. um, rumor has it that he is now been deported from Schiphol uh, <laughs> and put on a plane. We're not entirely sure to where. Uh, he was mm -hmm. supposed to go to Oslo, I think. We'll see if he ends up in Buenos Aires or somewhere else. Um, we will we'll know. We will see. We'll put it in the show notes. Where? Mm -hmm. So you remember uh, Where's <laughs> Waldo, <something>. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what came to my mind as, as well. It's just Where's Simon? Exactly. Where is that Simon? That would si totally work. <laughs> Have you seen um, Enrico Vandelar, his um, uh, crazy data science? Oh, yes. Uh, he did a, a an image classifier to help him find Waldo. <laughs> we could have done that for Simon. We could have, yeah. Uh, the thing was, he he noted that it required a crap ton of compute to um, to train the neural net, <laughs> and it was kind of meh. But um, hey, uh. it's it's doable. And I think that yeah. is a great use of, of resources. Yes, definitely. Said no one ever. But again, it's crazy data science. If you learn anything, that is entirely on you. Exactly. So today is a focus segment. And I've had this one at the back of my mind for quite a while. And I, I, I hope to get to talk to both you and Simon, but... Again, Simon has already figured out how to make the most out of technical debt. Uh, yes. In a more applied way. But let, let's start. What is technical debt? If I, if I just say the words technical debt, what comes to mind for you? Uh, as the very first thing, what comes to mind is... Well, it's really hard to phrase it, actually. Uh, I think it does apply to like all levels of tech, whether it's, you know, infrastructure, code, um, data things, you know, it could relate to any of those. But it is when something stays stagnant for too long that it no longer is able to serve its purpose efficiently in the current time. Maybe that's... I would I would phrase it. So essentially tech that rots and sits in the corner and smells funny, but nobody has decided to clean it out yet. Yeah, that's 
I think, one aspect of it. So that brings us to the question, is this a technical or a business issue? Well, <laughs> the issue might look technical on the surface, but I think we need to ask, why is there technical debt? And oftentimes, if we ask that question, we will find out that it's not just a technical question, actually, anymore. And I, I, I was going to say that the, the short answer to my question is both, but I absolutely mm -hmm. uh, agree. So the, the, um, the stem of the technical debt is, by definition, mm -hmm. technical. But since technology does not exist in a vacuum... There was a business decision somewhere, e either an explicit or an implicit decision to do or not do something about mm -hmm. uh, technology that in turn uh, turned into technical debt. So another easy question for you, can we avoid mm -hmm. technical debt? That's a really hard question. Why are you asking such hard questions today? Um... Maybe I would say to some extent, uh, technology is developing all the time. That's a fact we all know. And it is developing quite rapidly. Like with technology, we don't have to be, you know, updating all the time and like being right at the very front of it. But we also don't, shouldn't be kind of left behind for too long. So I think we also need to be kind of strategic in, um, you know, kind of working through that in reasonable steps in a way or working with our technology in reasonable steps so that it doesn't get completely left behind. I'm not sure if that sentence made any sense. <laughs> well, in, in, in a way, uh, so... I've always had a really, really hard time dealing with the idea of good enough. Because mm. good enough for me means that you're okay with doing something haphazardly and just going, mm -hmm. meh, doesn't matter, let's go on to the next. And I had a long, somewhat heated discussion with a dear friend of mine, and, and I think she managed to shift my perspective a bit. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, she, she, of course, uh, brought up the, the business aspect of things. You may not have the time or the money, or insert whatever mm -hmm. business reason, to do something 100% right. Mm -hmm. As long as it is a, an informed and explicit decision to stop yeah. now, th this is good enough, mm -hmm. then I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. Having the mentality of, nah, I didn't get to get any more, it didn't get any better than this, nah, let's just call it good enough, that I am not okay with. And that was the, the, mm -hmm. the view that I had of, of the idea of good enough. Because th this opens a number of interesting avenues for conversation, and that is, I'm going to state that if you have a business that is not uh, doing uh, videos on, on TikTok or, or YouTube. If, if you're any kind of, of business in the manufacturing space, for instance, or, or essentially mm -hmm. anything that does uh, things over a time 
longer than, than two weeks, then <laughs> I would argue that by the very uh, nature of your business, you are going to incur technical debt. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to think that technical debt is, is going to be a bad thing. I don't think it is. It doesn't have to be. It depends on how you deal with it and, and how you, you approach it. It is, and it will always be. Again, if, if you're manufacturing things and have a lead time of, I don't know, six months, that means that you cannot easily just refactor and toss your, your um, manufacturing system just because you want to avoid technical debt. Can't be done. It needs to be done when you have a maintenance window, for instance. That slightly brings the question to me, like, in what time frame does technical debt appear and how can we like identify it that it's actually technical debt because i think i i don't think everything that is not the flashiest and newest isn't technical debt did i get my knots in in the right amounts i'm not sure or if i did just like a double negative but <laughs> Anyways, that's just, I think, kind of the word technical debt has a little bit of a negative connotation. And then if we put that on everything that is not the brandest, brandest new, then I think we are maybe mislabeling things a little bit. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Take my, my customer with an ancient Oracle system. It is from the late 90s. Mm -hmm. It is a beast to work with. It has a lot of data. It is slow. It is difficult to find people that can work with it. Mm -hmm. Does that constitute technical debt? Yes, I would argue it does. Mm -hmm. So would I. But if it was much better documented, if there were support processes to mitigate all the, the challenges that I just mentioned, is it still mm -hmm. technical debt? Not necessarily. So adding on to what you said, it doesn't need to be the, the uh, latest, the, the greatest, the, the sexiest uh, to, if, well, if you don't have that, then it's technical. No, I don't think it's that easy. It all mm -hmm. comes down to how do you treat that specific piece of software or, or mm -hmm. hardware or whatever it is. And it is also a little bit related to the context. Is there something that can provide better value available? And then if there is, then you can make the decision whether you actually proceed with, for example, refactoring to get to a more, more newer and better platform, for example. And you just used a really bad word. I probably did. You said value. Mm -hmm. How do you define value? And th this harks back to the discussion <laughs> about quality. How do you define quality? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, it is also the most important question so far, I think. How do you define value? Because as tech people, we look at the world through a straw. It's as simple as that. We, we only see one aspect. It's the same with the business side of things. They only see one side of things. 
that shit doesn't fly. We can't just, just as uh, we berate salespeople for selling things that we can't deliver. Mm-hmm. We berate the business for making decisions that we can't realize mm-hmm. because in their head, well, how hard can it be? So it, it's, I think what I'm getting at is communication. We're back to communication. Mm-hmm. How do we, how do we figure out what is the important stuff? What do we need to do in order to satisfy all the, the aspects? It's easy to fall for this. Well, just buy this piece of software and all your problems is going to go away. That may be the case, but I can guarantee you, you're going to get a bucket full of new ones. So mm-hmm. there, there is no magic bullet or s- magic solution or silver bullet or whatever you want to call it to mm-hmm. any problems these days. Yeah, unfortunately not. Because we're back to the other side of technical debt. As soon as you develop your business, and let's, let's face it, apart from one customer that I used to have at Atea that made chain links, they've been doing that for, <laughs> since the, the late 1800s something. Mm-hmm. They have not changed in any significant way just about every other business does change they might buy a new production i don't know press printing press uh, whatever cnc machine it can be just about anything and that impacts the way that they do business they might have new regulatory requirements meaning that they need more information or they um, another one that, that um, was working in the aluminum industry, suddenly they installed a crap ton more sensors and were able to mm-hmm. send more information about what they sold to their customers. All of these things, they mean that we develop the business. And that is what drives technical debt. Because if mm-hmm. everything was static, mm-hmm. then our software and hardware could be just as static and we would not perceive it as technical debt. So I'm, I'm starting to think that technical debt is actually the, the, the mismatch between what we need to run the business and what we have because we put it in place previous iterations of, of mm-hmm. business requirements. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that really makes sense and I think there is definitely a correlation there. I would also add like another uh, angle, perspective to it, that if we also think about other things that are changing, the entire world is changing all the time. So that means that whether our users are internal or external, it doesn't really matter, but the requirements or kind of the expectations from those people will also change over time. So even if you were to keep your business requirement exactly the same, you would kind of fall behind everybody else if you don't keep adapting to kind of everything that is changing on the outside. And then maybe it's not anymore just technical debt, but also business debt. <laughs> but Anyways, it's kind of all these components that are moving that definitely, and moving and improving that really make 
us end up in this situation of having debt. For sure. I mean, it, it, it seems like there's something called technical inflation or business inflation. <laughs> yeah. Things that just happen. And as you said, if you don't keep up, you will fall behind. So standing still mm -hmm. is not an alternative. No. And that brings us to, uh, and this is me definitely swearing in church, standard systems. Let's take a small one. Let's take <laughs> dynamics. Or SAP. Or JD Edwards. Or IFS. Or any other big brand um, ERP system. There, there are two ways. And th this is me. I'm going to tell you just how little I know about running a company. But from <laughs> my perspective, there, there are two ways that you can uh, automate business processes. Either you have well-defined business processes and you get a system that uh, completes those processes, that, that um, help you with those processes, that, that conforms to those processes. Mm. Or you have a system that is rigid and you change your business processes to fit the system. Mm. Which way do you think a standard system expects you to go? Well, it expects you to adapt to it. And I have opinions on this. <laughs> I can imagine. Would you care to share? Oh, it, it's it's so weird, right? Here we have a a company that spent well, I don't know thirty years building. Let's go back to chain links. They know pretty damn well how to make chain links and what they need, what kind of documentation they need on their invoicing and how to send the invoices, how to handle inventory, the whole nine yards. They know what they need because they've been doing this for one hundred and fifty years. But let's say that someone has the brilliant idea that let's implement, I don't know, SAP or IFS or, or, or Dynamics. Suddenly, everything they know is going to go out the window in order to save time and, and hopefully money. I have yet to see a standard system that fits a business. I'd, I'd argue that there is no such thing as a standard system that fits a business. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the, the idea is that you, you should um, customize it to, to fit your system or your, your business. But again, the customizations feel so much like rolls up and rolls up and rolls mm -hmm. of duct tape. And then at the end of the day, you end up with a horrible project that still does not give you the benefits that you set out to in the beginning. And I think that is, that is sad since yes. I, I haven't worked with IERP systems for 20 something years, but this was a problem in the late nineties when I did it, it is still a problem because we see the aftermath of, of somewhat failed Dynamics projects and, and, and SAP projects. Yeah, 
I've definitely heard about this. I have to say that I haven't personally worked with the standard systems that much. A little bit. But maybe I don't feel I have enough experience to say anything for certain. But I have to say the experiences I've heard from people maybe do kind of agree with your point of view here. <laughs> I mean, the, the alternative is to write uh, software from scratch that does nothing but uh, work for you. Mm -hmm. I would love to have a chat with someone who's deeper in, in, in the ERP system world than, than I ever was mm. to, to have a discussion. I mean, the, the, the ERP systems of today, they are enormous. They do literally everything, including mm. boiling you coffee or, or making you <laughs> coffee or washing your car. They, they, everything, yeah. absolutely everything. How much time would it take to write a piece of software that does Only what you need. Yes. And is that a pipe dream or is that just something that we've decided that, nah, we, we, we can't do it. I get vibes like, uh, let's offshore. And mm. everybody knows that the number of offshoring projects that actually end up saving money and time, mm -hmm. they're extremely few and far between. Mm -hmm. Definitely um, so. And I, I kind of feel like the, the, the standard system implementation will inevitably lead to uh, someone getting a huge payout and mm -hmm. a lot of people using the system that contemplates new careers, <laughs> maybe driving trains or something. So, yeah, it's <laughs> meh. This frustrates me to no end. Mm -hmm. Because, again, th this is the, the other side of technical debt, right? The idea of standard system is to avoid technical debt or mm. at least mitigate technical debt and it, it feels like you're solving the wrong problem yeah totally so that agree. brings us to the the final part of this conversation how do we mitigate technical debt we've already covered a few things but can you think of some some things that we have not touched on well uh i think one aspect is Building in processes so that people have time to improve things on the go as well. Because if we always, on one hand, like we should be strategic in how we do improvements and things like that. But if we always let technical debt to accumulate a whole lot, then we need to do a really big project to then be able to untangle that. So if we can build in some kind of processes in place where we have a kind of um, uh, time and resources to actually work on things that will prevent technical debt. I, for example, know in some teams there might be practice that whether they're uh, development teams or infrastructure teams, there might be a practice to have, I can't remember now the like the realistic examples I had in, in mind, but a day in a month or a day in two weeks in each sprint uh, to do more on like housekeeping rather than, you know, adding new capabilities, but actually ensuring that the things that are there are maintained. 
So essentially putting maintenance of what you have on the agenda and, yep. and not just going, nope, it's it's cooler to do new shit, but mm-hmm. keep keeping track of what you have is going to be, it, it's going to pay dividends uh, tenfold in, mm-hmm. in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like on the software development side, there's also quite a bit of automatic tooling to, you know, give you updates when there are new versions of libraries available that are used in your code and things like that. They don't, of course, like automatically solve the problem. Somebody probably needs to go in and do some tweaks, but you kind of have more visibility to where there might be like older versions used that might even have some security risks in the worst case scenario. Agreed. And it, it's not a, a dichotomy. Either you can automate everything or we shouldn't touch it. No, mm-hmm. everything you can do is a step to the right direction. But it all, exactly. to me, feels like it, it comes down to we need to accept technical debt for what it is. It is going to be there. It's not going to magically go away. There are no automatic tools that can just fix it. And until that day, we put it on the agenda, front and center, say this is something that we will battle until we retire. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be part of, of life. This, this is, is um, I'm trying to find the word. Never mind. This is the way we're going to get. So mm. it needs to be on the board. It needs to have someone keep... Uh, that keeps going, this is important. We can't forget this because as soon as you do, it will turn around and and, and bite you, I think. Mm-hmm. Great discussion and conversation. Uh, really curious to hear um, you all, of your, your thoughts. Um, and as always, if you want to uh, be a part of a discussion like this, uh, reach out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm info at that needed in tech.com or podcast at needed in tech.com. So there are still a couple of trips. I'm done for this year. Um, mm-hmm. Simon uh, should be done uh, considering <laughs> the um, effect he has on, on the critical infrastructure, but um, you are going somewhere that I can't join you this year, which is sad. I really looked forward to it, but I, uh, for reasons mm-hmm. I, I can't come. Where are you going, Henny? Well, I believe I'm going like across the street from Ignite or to the other end of the convention center or something like that. So in Seattle, there is at the same time as Ignite from November 13th to the 17th, there is the Past Data Community Summit at the same time. And I am doing a pre-con with Ben Wiseman about Bicep and how to become a infrastructure deployment ninja in a day, essentially. And we have ninja stickers, which is very important information. So the question is, can, can, you, can you see the ninja stickers or are they invisible? Yes. Yes, you can see them. Huh. So not that ninja. Not that ninja, no. But that that sounds awesome. But you're going to do um, a session or a couple of sessions as well? Um, one regular session as well. Uh, I'm going to do kind of a 
overview of an approach to solving architectures or creating architectures on Azure and what are the different aspects you need to consider. And this is interesting because last year at SQL Bits, I did a one-day pre-con about this topic. So now I am bringing it down to one hour. So I won't be going into all the details I covered back then, but uh, it is like a good boost start if you're trying to get started with figuring out what are the things you need to consider when you're thinking about architectures. Exciting. So yeah, I'm really architecture is, is, is like governance. People just groan and, and look at the, their, their watches. But you make architecture interesting. Uh, so kudos to you. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. And you're also going to Data Lift and Attended. Yes, which is a very interesting conference because it will be just the speakers there on site and no attendees. And the event will be streamed. And then, of course, people can look, watch it at whatever time suits them. And I'm going to do a Databricks session over there. And that is always exciting as well. There's quite a bit of architecture things to Databricks, too. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, that, that's true. True words have, have rarely been spoken. Well, with that, we are on time. And Barely. Thank you for once. Uh, <laughs> thank you for, for uh, being part of this, this conversation. I'm, I'm, again, super curious to hear uh, what uh, our listeners think of it. Uh, did we forget anything? Should we add something? Let us know, as always. And until next week, have a wonderful weekend and a re great rest of the week. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need in Tech. Need in Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmarinen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at needinbintech.com.